Hi, I'm Gregory Sinclair, and I'm a resident artist and the Wernham West Director of Audio Programs here at Soul Pepper. Welcome to our latest podcast of the very best from the Soul Pepper Saturday Cabaret Series. This week, David Sarita, Colleen Allen, David Gray, and poet and novelist Anne Michaels of the Stray Dog Salon take to the TD Studio stage. They're joined by poet Molly Peacock, acclaimed Canadian novelist Nino Ricci, and the incomparable Lorraine Zagato for a unique evening of literature and music. Welcome to the Stray Dog Salon. Each stray dog has a theme. And we try to make it as vague as possible so that we can stray all over the place. So, sleeping dog. We thought that this would give us license. We love license. Um, it could be sleep, it could be wakefulness, it could be dreaming, it could be the idea of sleeping dogs lie. You know that, that saying, let sleeping dogs lie? Meaning don't, you know, don't mess with it, really, because you don't want to. But the thing is that the most interesting and wonderful art often goes there. They go there, they wake up the sleeping dogs because other people are too afraid to do it. Um, this is a fantastic song by an amazing songwriter, even though she is not known, uh, known widely for an extensive repertoire. Um, it's a song by Billie Holiday, and uh, this is dedicated to all the dogs that we're gonna wake up. And Colleen will join me. Cause I know you cheat Right or wrong don't matter When I'm with you, sweet ah, ah, ah. 
don't explain There's nothing to gain I'm glad you're back Don't so completely yours. I cry to hear folks chatter cause I know you cheat right or wrong don't matter when I'm with you sweet Hush. joy, my joy, my pain. I, my heart, yours love, don't Stray Dog is a chance for uh, a bunch of us um, musicians and composers and writers and poets to get together, not only with uh, the kind of the core, who you see right here. Well, let's introduce you. Let's introduce you to the peeps. Um, beside me, you know Colleen Allen, fantastic. And beside her, David Gray on guitar. And <laughs> yes, give him the benefit of your applause. You, it's, it won't be wasted. Trust me, you'll, you'll, yes, oh, I'm glad I clap for him, he's good. The dog, who isn't a musician, although that is not true, uh, she is a wonderful musician and composer, and one day the dog will be treated to uh, her music. However, she is more well known as um, a celebrated and incandescent poet and novelist, and um, it was she 
It was she. It was her. It was her what came up with the name Stray Dog Salon, because that's just the gal she is. So I would like to introduce um, my, our, our marvelous friend and our, one of our favorite dogs, um, Anne Michaels. Stray on up, Anne. We have had the great uh, blessing and pleasure of having some wonderful writers um, read to us over the years. And tonight we have two thoroughbreds, two very special guests. And the first guest to come up tonight is the beautiful, wise, loving poet and biographer, Molly Peacock whose latest book was Alphabetique. She also wrote The Paper Garden. And she is going to launch, uh, as she is the editor of Best Canadian Poetry, which comes out every year. And it's launching this year at the International Festival of Authors on October 30th. And Molly's poetry is gorgeous. And Molly is gorgeous. And here she is. <laughs> It's a, uh, it's a privilege to be included in the Stray Dogs. Um, and I'm going to tell you a story of two sleeping dogs, and then I'm going to read you a poem, two poems, in response to this story. Uh, and the story um, is all about explaining. Um, riffing off, don't explain. Uh, it is a story uh, involving my psychoanalyst and something that I found out about her. Um, when my analyst was a teenager, uh, this is a story of two sleeping dogs, so I'll back up and say that the first dog is um, a, a bit of a, a terrifying one, kind of a Cerberus, uh, and that is an arteriovenous malformation. And these AVMs are formed in the brain as um, uh, in, in the womb. And they're the kind of thing that are little ticking bombs. So you can go through your whole life with one of these things and never know it and live till you're 105. Or you can be 17 and suddenly have a stroke. Um, so that's one of the sleeping dogs. And the other one is about art. So she's a teenager in the late 1940s, and she's such a talented painter that uh, She's in, uh, she becomes enrolled in a group of adult painters, and they shepherd her along until her father dies. He's beloved to her, and so he passes away, and she's distraught, um, but she's supposed to be applying to university, and they say to her, you've got to go. Um, here's what you do. Uh, you're so talented, you should apply to Harvard. So uh, they encourage her, and she does, and she gets in. And uh, she goes to the dean, and the dean says, you go down the street and study with T. Lux Weininger, uh, who is a Bauhaus painter, uh, an abstractionist, full of T squares, T. Lux, and, uh, and, and lines and insistence, uh, insistence on abstraction. So she goes to the class, uh, but she's a stubborn girl, and all she wants to do is draw portraits of her beloved father. So she paints 
painting after painting of him, and then comes the excoriating critique where he goes around the class and he humiliates her because she's done this figurative work and she leaves the class. Um, and my guess is they're probably, probably everybody in this room has had some miniature version of that big critique. Uh, she leaves the class and she not, doesn't pick up a paintbrush for year after year after year after year. 25 years go by. Instead, she studies psychology, she gets married, she has two kids, uh, and she opens a little practice in a small town, and I live in this town, and I am rigid with fear and anxiety, and so I go um, and start therapy with her, and I want to become a poet, and I don't know how to do that. And uh, I don't know, of course, that uh, she had intended to become a painter. All I know is that I'm in uh, a nest of encouragement. And this goes on, and I go off into my life, uh, and I end up in New York City, where she is also. Uh, and uh, we reconnect, and at this point, um, that painting dog starts to wake up, and she begins painting again, and she ends up, we're fast forwarding, she's 77, she's in a painting studio, in a class, with other people, and that art dog is fully woken up, and she's there, and the AVM blows. So the stroke happens, she's on the floor. Uh, that dog really has fully woken up, uh, but because the other artists are there, she is saved. And one of the things that happened to her, she lost a lot of memory, but I was one of her first patients and she remembers me, and so I visit her. And these two poems are about what happens when we go to art galleries. In our unexpected future, and we're looking at pa the paintings of a man named Andrew Zorn, uh, Anders Zorn, and they're all portraits of 19th century women and a lot of clothes. Love sadness prances across the flounces of peach-gowned women in old-fashioned portraits as an anniversary presses us toward them. Stick, stick, the sound of your cane tip on marble. All those women's agitated longings and fears pulse through their rooched necklines palpate in their taffeta waistlines, outliving their societies, pillars and palaces, burnt in a blink. The painter disrobed their dreads in clothing, uncomfortable ruffles of hopes 
that billow below such careful faces, their moody moods hiding in folds of silk, surviving silk, for frocks outlast pillars, but feelings outlive frocks. The immaterial storms through, a force beyond years, a mere four since you were nearly felled. It isn't what happened that lasts, not art either, but the savory core, what's felt. We relish your reprieve as if we licked all the way through the paint, leaving wet marks to vanish from gowns long gone, but not. And, um, and this one is about watching three monks make, um, Tibetan monks make a sand painting. Mandala in the making. Three Tibetan monks make a sand painting. Under spotlights in a reverential hush, the circular world before them, everything, a cosmos, a brain, a divine palace, lush with lotuses and pagodas in children's paint box colors. Uh, ex excuse me, uh, my friend is recovering uh, from an accident. She's a, a painter. May we ask you some questions? Have I introduced you, my former analyst, as my painter friend? You point with your cane to the mandala in sand and ask, three artists, how do they decide who does what? He's the boss, one monk points to the other. The boss beams above the bowls and brass funnel he wields like a wand. When they're done, they'll brush it all away. You can't believe that. Nothing stays, including the memory you've lost. What lasts? The pattern the monks have memorized. Their burnt-down temple returns as the circular core. Only when something's over can its shape materialize? Thank you very much. And prescient. Merci. The very first show I did in Toronto um, was a benefit. I was a youngster, I was 20-something, uh, and uh, there were some other young musicians. Um, it was at a place called the Music Hall in the Danforth. It had just been renovated, and uh, I had the good fortune to meet um, an amazing group of musicians that very first performance. Uh, we shared the evening. Um, one of them was, uh, was Laurie Conger, fantastic um, singer, songwriter, a member of the, would become the member of the Parachute Club who played keyboards. 
Another one was the amazing drummer Billy Bryans, who passed away far too soon. So just a, it seems like just yesterday. And uh, the other uh, friend, th the instant friend that I made that night was Lorraine Segato, and I'd like you to welcome Lorraine Segato to the stage. to the James Taylor part of sleeping lullaby style of the dog.
The amazing thing is that probably, Lorraine, before we even dreamed that we could be singers, we were listening to that same album together in different parts of the country. Amazing. I think we have, I mean, sometimes stuff happens and it's bad, right? It just, it's bad. And sometimes stuff happens and it's really good. So for instance, um, how, what an amazing coincidence that we should stumble on this theme of Sleeping Dog. And, uh, and one of our treasured artists uh, is about to release a book called Sleep. And Anne, I would like to introduce you back to the stage to complete this introduction. If you would. Part two of this simple, short introduction. Um, we are very, very lucky to be able to say that in a few seconds, you will hear from Nino Ricci, fantastic, wonderful novelist, two-time Governor General's Award winner, and with his brand new book, Sleep, which just came out last week, perhaps a third time Governor General's Award winner, we shall see. Um, you will know him as author of Lives of the Saints and Origin of Species. And please welcome our beloved Canadian novelist, Nino Ricci. Thanks, Anne. Uh, and thank you all for, uh, for, uh, um, for having me here. It's a real honor to be here tonight. Uh, with Stray Dog and, uh, uh, and to connect with uh, a number of uh, people who, I, who I've known off and on over the years um, and get a chance to, uh, to take part in this very beautiful evening of uh, music and, and literature. I'm going to read from Sleep. Uh, I guess the, uh, the sleeping dog in my book is the main character uh, David Pace, who is uh, indeed a dog uh, <laughs> in every sense of the word, and, uh, and who does indeed lie. He lies to his wife, he lies to himself, he lies to just about everyone uh, in the book. Uh, but um, through it all is trying to get to something. Uh, and uh, his journey really is set off by the onset of a sleep disorder, which is come on as the book opens, which actually turns out to be a bit of a wake-up call for him uh, and to the tissue of lies he has used until then to prop himself up. I'm going to read from the beginning. A wash of chemicals floods David's brain, and at once the urge is there, irresistible. What is the trigger? What switch opens the floodgate? If he could find it, he could control it. But even to think of the urge is to bring it on. Dad, Dad. These are the times it overtakes him, when he is reading, when he is watching, when he is listening. At the crossroads of action and thought, the mind's gathering place, the very place where he lives, when he is driving, Daddy, wake up. He hears a thundering like a stampede. He sees chariots, horses, 
Then the image splinters and there is only the noise itself, jagged and black, until finally the expressway pixelates into clarity and he realizes he has veered onto the rumble strip. A car is stopped on the shoulder not a hundred meters in front of him. They are headed straight for it. Dad, there's a car. Afterwards, David will never quite be able to sort out his memory of what happens next in any way that makes sense. It will seem as if he is split in two. On one side of him, the nuclear blast of sensation, the thump of his wheels, the stopped car, his son's grating terror. On the other, an eerie calmness, as if every fiber in him has long been preparing for just such a moment when everything hangs in the balance. He will be amazed how much data has been left in him by an event that has happened in the blink of an eye. The slant of autumn light through the windshield, the color of the car, silver gray, he is heading toward. The look of its driver, a small, dark-skinned man, Middle Eastern or Asian, who has stopped to make a call or stretch his legs or take a leak as he innocently turns to check for traffic before opening his door, only to discover that death is bearing down on him. And already before it comes, David sees the crash, the mess of twisted metal and broken glass and ruined flesh. He jerks the wheel hard and the car bucks like a wild animal, no longer under his will. His body has braced itself for impact, but impossibly the impact doesn't come. Instead, there's only a suck of air from the far side of the car like the pull of something's gravity, the scream of a horn as David overshoots his lane and nearly sideswipes a passing van. Then, as quickly as that, the danger has passed, as if it had never been. Already the car on the shoulder has receded to a harmless glint in the rearview mirror. David's heart is pounding. He digs his little pill container out of his pant pocket and dumps the pills onto the passenger seat, then grabs two by feel and crunches down on them. Do not chew. They are bitter like cyanide, like hemlock, but pointless now. He is fully awake. He can feel Marcus eyeing him from his car seat in the back. You fell asleep, he says. I wasn't asleep, but already David has taken the wrong tack has responded to the boy's accusation rather than to his fear. I just closed my eyes for a second, that's all, because of the sun. David nudges the mirror to get a better view of him, sees how his shoulders have hunched, how he has balled himself up in his gloom and distrust. He is barely five, but already he carries his moods like an adolescent. At the zoo where they were visiting, he fell into a sulk over a trinket David refused him at the gift shop, and now he will roll this new, larger hurt into the old one, each lending weight to the other. When did he become like this, so vigilant, so hungry for grievance? David knows he ought to say more about what has happened, but is afraid that saying more will only raise the event's importance in the boy's mind, will only make him more likely to report it to his mother. Sit up straight, please. We've talked about that. A thin line of fire burns a path through David's veins as a drug enters his bloodstream, and he feels a panic go through him. Nothing like the adrenal rush of the near accident itself, but a sense of being vulnerable after the fact, as if by some loop the moment might replay itself differently. 
he realizes suddenly that his whole body is trembling. It happens sometimes when he is agitated, this loss of control, another of his symptoms. The sheerest luck has saved him from killing his son. He casts another look back at Marcus. Almost home now, he says, almost there. A hesitation, then the inevitable question. Will mama be there? He is never enough. He is never the last recourse. David lets the question hang. Thank you. Um, sleeping dogs, yeah. This has sleeping and it has, yeah, who is the dog in this? Oh. Hmm. The dog is, is, the dog is the dog that wakes you up in the, in the middle of the night and says, you know what, you're not really happy, are you? That dog that barks inside your head and uh, the dog that must be obeyed, uh, the, the dog that's trying to let you out. Um, this is from... Um, the last CD that I did, which was in the last millennium. And I have some copies of it here. Always the marketing genius. Uh, so come up to someone who looks like me at the end of the show if you'd like one. Um, so yeah, this is Nowhere Fast. Tried to row with one oar only You go in a circle This describes in a roundabout way Why we're getting nowhere fast I've been This describes a circle This describes in a roundabout way Why I'm leaving you Tender mornings Sliding beside me prepared to care deeply so evenings now I guess I'm ready oh can't fake I've got a naked need to share if that scares you away then fine why waste each other's time. 
based on what I wanted you to be. I wanted the garden inside. Instead, we settled for another dark place to hide. This is a shadow. I really need oh, oh, oh you touched me but you never were prepared to care deeply so scares you away, then fine. Why waste each other's Next Saturday at 8.30 p.m., join us here in the TD studio as extraordinary singer and songwriter Patricia O'Callaghan presents songs from Berlin and the City of Light. And on October 17th, the Soul Pepper Cabaret series welcomes back William Webster and Derek Boys for the first volume of Bill's Classical Corner. Featuring some of the best young singers in the country, Bill defends the honor of opera's women. Visit the Soul Pepper website at soulpepper.ca for all the ticket details. Music programming at Soul Pepper is made possible by the Slate family, and our audio programs are thanks to the support of Richard Wernham and Julia West. The artistic director of Soul Pepper is Albert Schultz. 
I'm Gregory Sinclair. Thanks for listening.